0: One of the things that I love about the Song of Solomon is that it includes principles for our marriages today. And when we live according to God's design for marriage, it can move a good marriage to a great marriage. We're going to unpack all of that and more today. Stay tuned. Do you sometimes doubt if you're truly hearing God's voice or if it's really your own? Or have you been in a season where it feels like He's completely silent? Have you been praying for a way to learn how to hear His voice more clearly? Hey friends, I'm Rachel, host of the Hearing Jesus podcast. If you are ready to grow in your faith and to confidently step into your identity in Christ, then join me as we dig deep into God's Word so you can learn to live out your faith in your everyday life. The Hearing Jesus podcast is so excited to partner with Compassion International. We believe in Compassion's mission to release children from poverty in Jesus' name. Sponsors, when they sponsor a child, have the opportunity to see firsthand the impact that you're making through letters and updates that you receive from your sponsored child. It's not just changing the lives of children, it's changing entire families, whole communities, always through the local church, and always in Jesus' name. When you choose to sponsor a child, you ensure access to quality education, medical checkups, healthy food, clean water, and most importantly, the love of Jesus delivered through a church in their community because of a generous, caring sponsor like you and you can speak life, love, and hope to your sponsored child through personal letters that you'll exchange. I hope you'll join me in sponsoring a child through Compassion today. All you have to do is pull out your phone and text "Hearing Jesus" to 83393. You'll get a text back with a picture of a child who is waiting for a sponsor and a link to sponsor that child. You can also go to Compassion.com forward slash hearingjesus to choose a boy or girl to sponsor. When you sponsor, we'll also send you a copy of She Hears Learning to listen to Jesus, my book, as a token of our thanks for investing in the life of a child. Thank you for joining me and sponsoring a child through compassion today. Hey friends, welcome back to the Hearing Jesus Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Grohl. Today we're continuing our series on love, sex, and the Bible as we go through a Bible study on the Song of Solomon. Today we are diving into Song of Solomon chapter 5, and I'm reading from the New American Standard Bible. So I'll go ahead, I will read it, I will give some commentary, and then I'll read it again for you to meditate on this portion of God's Word. Just a reminder that as an additional resource on our Patreon page included as part of Our ad free episodes, we have journaling prompt downloadable worksheets every single day. So, starting just $5 a month, you can get that resource. Or you can get all of those journaling prompts into one workbook. If you're a deeper dive member, you get that included in membership. Or you can pick that up on our website for only $7. Again, I just think journaling is an excellent way to get the information from your head into your heart. So, starting at verse 1, chapter 5, and this is the groom talking. And if you'll remember from where we left off last week, they are separated. So this beginning portion, the groom is in the season of where they're separated. And he says, I have come into my garden, my sister, my bride. I have gathered my myrrh along with my balsam. I have eaten my honeycomb with my honey. I have drunk my wine with my milk. Eat, friends, drink, and deep. Drink deeply, lovers. Now the bride responds, I was asleep But my heart was awake. A voice my beloved was knocking. Open to me, my sister, my darling, my dove, my perfect one. For my head is drenched with dew, my locks with the dewdrops of the night. I have taken off my dress. How can I put it on again? I have washed my feet. How can I dirty them again? My beloved extended his hand through the opening and my feelings were stirred for him. I arose to open to my beloved and my hands dripped with myrrh and my fingers with drops of myrrh on the handles of the bolt. I opened to my beloved, but my beloved had turned away and had gone. My heart went out to him as he spoke. I searched for him, but I did not find him. I called him, but he did not answer me. The watchmen who make the rounds in the city found me. They struck me and wounded me. The guards of the walls took my shawl away from me. Swear to me, you daughters of Jerusalem, if you find my beloved as to what you will tell him, for I am lovesick." And then the chorus responds, what kind of beloved is your beloved? O most beautiful among women. What kind of beloved is your beloved that you must make us swear in this way? And then here is a section on admiration by the bride. The bride is speaking. My beloved is dazzling and reddish, outstanding among 10,000. His head is like gold, pure gold. His locks are like clusters of dates and black as raven. His eyes are like doves beside streams of water bathed in milk and perched in their setting. His cheeks are like a bed of balsam banks of herbal spices, his lips are lilies dripping with drops of myrrh, his hands are rods of gold set with topaz, his abdomen in panels of ivory covered with sapphires, his thighs are pillars of alabaster set on the pedestals of pure gold, his appearance is like Lebanon, choice as the cedars, his mouth is full of sweetness and he is wholly desirable, this is my beloved and this is my friend, you the daughters of Jerusalem." Now, I'm actually going to keep reading into the beginning portion of chapter six, because remember, when we look at the Song of Solomon, it is eight chapters, but it's actually only six individual poems. And so there is a little bit of overlap. So I'm going to read the beginning portion of chapter six. This is... The end of the song. Where has your beloved gone, O most beautiful among women? Where has your beloved turned that we may seek him with you? The bride says, My beloved has gone down to his garden, to the beds of balsam, to pasture his flock in the gardens and gather lilies. I am my beloved's, and my beloved is mine, he who pastures his flock among the lilies. So, what we're seeing in this section is the bride telling the Daughters of Jerusalem, the chorus, about an experience she had when she was dreaming at night about being separated from her man. And so she is clearly distressed. She's kind of panicky over his absence. And in the dream, it prompted her to get up out of bed, to leave the house, and to go find him somewhere in the city. And when she got to the city, she encountered the watchman, and they beat her. And so I think it is a... Mm-hmm very telling thing about human behavior and the behavior of women. You know, we get to a place, especially when we're in love, where we can get panicky about just even having bad dreams about being separated from the one that we love. And that's what we're seeing here. And so even though it's a dream, I think it's important to point out some of the things we might miss because we're in a culture that is far removed from this time frame. And sometimes we don't understand this ancient form of poetry. So in verse four, it says, my beloved extended his hand through the opening and my feelings were stirred for him. And so that, and often ancient times would describe a sexual connotation or a sexual Relationship. Remember, at this point, they're married, and so that is a normal part of marriage. But it also talks about his attempt to open the door to her heart, likely from the outside. And so he has been persistent with that. And as a natural progression of the relationship happens, there's an increase in desire. And he is increasing his desire for her. And that is prompting her to respond to him. And so that's a natural part of this progression of the relationship. And then when it says my hands dripped with myrrh, Myrrh, as we've seen throughout this book, it's often associated with love or lovemaking, and it's talking about this romantic passion that now that that's been aroused, now that they're married and they've experienced that, she wants that to continue. And so it's a poetic way to talk about how there's this sexual relationship that is going on between the two of them, but they're not being explicitly erotic, or they're not saying things in a way that is offensive, but they are letting you know that this is a sexual relationship. And then she says he was gone, her heart sank. And so That is something, like I said, we've all had those panicky dreams before, but she is distressed to the point where she is immediately going to risk wandering through the city streets late at night, which in that culture was very, very dangerous. And so it's an indication of the depth of her love. And we see that she recognizes that because it talks in verse 7 about how the watchman beat her. Well, the reason why the watchman would have beat her at night was because no woman except a prostitute would have been alone in the city at that late of night. And so being a prostitute was not welcome in that culture. And they would have beat her because she shouldn't have been out there. And so it's interesting to see, even in her dream, the depth of her love for him. And then the daughters of Jerusalem, the chorus, they ask, well, what kind of man is he that you would make us swear in this way? What kind of man are you so enamored with? And so she responds to that question with this poem. And she talks about his virtues and his worth. And so the way that she describes him, it's not really going to be helpful. Like if they were asking that because they wanted to help find him, it's not like they could recognize him by the way that she describes him. But the point in all of that is he's too amazing of a man for her not to pursue him and do whatever she has to do in order to protect their relationship in order to find him because he's too valuable to lose. And I love that these descriptions are the counterpart to how he described her in a previous chapter. Remember, we talked about the kind of poetry that goes from the head to the feet. It's called a wasp. W-A-S-F. And remember, this is a poem where now it's the woman praising his body and begins with the head and goes to his feet. And we went through that when he described her that way. Now she's describing him that way. So she talks about how he's reddish or in other translations, he would be ruddy. So it says, my beloved is dazzling and reddish or radiant and ruddy. And so those are terms that probably describe an appearance that is an indicator of how healthy he is, or prosperous he is, or how successful he is. And so she then starts to compare him to precious metals and these rare, beautiful stones, because she's affirming that he is amazing. He's her one in million. He's worth far above rubies and diamonds and gold and all of those things. And so he, she goes on to start describing these things. And I think a lot of them, we don't necessarily need to unpack. We can understand them at the face value, what she's meaning by them. But there are a couple things that I want to point out. Hey friends, are you loving the deep conversations, the biblical insight, and the spiritual growth content that I share on the Hearing Jesus podcast? Well, I've got some fantastic news for you. Starting at just $5 a month, you can become a member of our Patreon community and take your Hearing Jesus experience to a whole new level. When you join Patreon, you gain access to ad-free episodes, daily journaling prompts and worksheets, monthly bonus content, personalized Q&A sessions with me, giveaways, and more. As a Patreon supporter, you're not just a listener, you're a valued member of my inner circle. But that's not all. Our Patreon community is a place where you can connect with like-minded people who share your passion for spiritual growth, engage in meaningful discussions, share your thoughts, and be part of something that's truly special. Plus, we've got some awesome perks lined up for our Patreon supporters, from shout outs on the podcast to exclusive merch and more. So if you're ready to dive deeper into the journey of hearing Jesus, head on over to patreon.com forward slash hearing Jesus. Your support makes a real difference, allowing us to continue bringing you inspiring content week after week. Also, a portion of any income from Patreon goes to support children through our partnership with Compassion International. Again, head to patreon.com forward slash hearingjesus. Thank you for being a vital part of the Hearing Jesus community. Together, let's learn to live out our faith in our everyday life. So she talks about him being bathed in milk. Well, a basin full of milk was a representation in that culture of abundance. And the doves, the white doves in that culture were honored or revered. And so this is a way that she's talking about his radiance and this characteristic that we... Happen to have when we're humans in love, where we have eyes of love, no matter what this person does, no matter what he says, no matter how he acts, we're at that point, we're in love, and we have him exalted through this place in our mind. And that's exactly what we're seeing here. And so she compares him to different things of value within that culture. The cedars of Lebanon, though, I want to point out, so she says his appearance is like Lebanon, choice as the cedars, that's verse 15. Well, in Lebanon there were cedar trees that were incredibly valuable and they would have been used by royalty to build their buildings. They were used in constructing the temple in Jerusalem and the palaces that both David and Solomon built used these cedars of Lebanon. And you know, just as well as I know now what cedar smells like. And so there was an aroma to that kind of wood, which made it very resistant to damage from insects or dry rotting. It was known for its strength. It was highly valuable. And so this is a metaphor that's talking about his appearance, as well as his strength and how valuable he is. And so overall, in this section, we see her completely in love and heartsick over being separated from him to the point where she's having nightmares about it. And what we see in this relationship in the Song of Songs is not just in an attraction, a physical attraction, but we see desire. We see delight. We see the way that she praises him, the way that she respects him, the way that she holds him in this high regard. And that is, of course, reiterated in this section. But we also understand that it's not always smooth sailing. You know, initially we see her a little bit hesitant, but then he wins her over. And they're clearly not together in her dream. So there is some stress that she's now that she's in love with him, she's experiencing, which, you know, sometimes there are emotions that come up that accompany being deeply in love with somebody. But I think one of the things that I want to settle on in this passage is the worth that she finds in him. And it's not just his beauty, but she's talking about aspects of his character and the worth that she finds in him. And I think that's important because it's part of the commitment that we make to each other. And he is reciprocating those feelings. We see that back and forth with these poetry, these songs, where he is kind of talking about her beauty and her worth and her value. And then she's talking about his beauty and worth and value those feelings are reciprocated. And it's an assurance that they are in this mutual place of adoration of each other. And also, it's responding to the needs of your partner. You know, I think one of the things that we kind of understand about human nature is, metaphorically speaking, typically, the man is knocking on the door, more than the woman. So we started off this passage talking about how he's knocking on the door because he has desire for her and she's a little bit hesitant. And then as she gives into that desire, they come to this place of mutual satisfaction. I think it's important to recognize that there's also love and honor and respect within that. And so Yes, he's knocking on the door, he's kind of pushing her a little bit, and she is a little bit hesitant, but then she surrenders to that feeling, and they find this mutual satisfaction. I think we need to remember that, because because it's a typical part of marriage. But then there's also this recognition where he holds her in a place of great worth. He appreciates her. He talks about her qualities. He's regularly praising her. There is mutual respect. He also respects her enough to wait until she's ready to open that door. And so I think it goes both ways. While typically the male is the aggressor or the instigator in those kinds of situations, there's also this great deep respect And it's not just blind. I mean, there's a lot of foreplay, let's be honest, there's foreplay that has gone into this, that is not just in the moment, but it's throughout the relationship. And so the foundation of where they're starting is with this foundation of commitment. And he's constantly giving her what she needs emotionally. So she's not super hesitant to open the door, but he's still very respectful of that. It's part of the reason why we did the Love Languages series first, because I think that all plays into how we speak love to our spouses. And so as we kind of apply some of these principles to our own marriages, we recognize that it is through the context of respect and praise that passion and delight can grow and not just grow, but flourish to a point where other people can see that around them. To the point where other people are asking questions like, what's so special about this guy? People around you should be asking that because of the way that you were enamored with your spouse. Our marriages can be a testimony to the world around us, including those close relationships around us. And if we are believers, our marriage should be a testimony to God's faithfulness and the covenant of marriage. And so I want you to even think about that. Do the people around me see my marriage as a testimony As part of the Christian faith, do they see that or do they see something different? And you know, one of the things that I so appreciate about my husband is I hear from his coworkers, it doesn't matter where he works, I have heard for years from his coworkers, wow, your husband really loves you. I hope to have something like that someday. Or vice versa is true. When I might be out with girlfriends and they are in the man-hater club and I really don't have much to say because I love my husband and we don't have those kinds of problems, and then I'm able to encourage them that it doesn't have to be that way. But I think that foundation that is there is this idea of respect and praise. And like I said, it's in that foundation of respect and praise that passion and delight come from. And so let's think about our marriages as a testimony. And maybe there's some conviction right there, you know, and I I want you to know I if you haven't listened to the very beginning episodes of of this podcast, you might want to go back and have a refresher. But there's a difference between a voice of condemnation, which is from the enemy, and a voice of conviction, which is from God. And so I want you to start thinking about what's going on in your mind, what's going on in your heart when I say the words that your marriage should be a testimony to those around you. So given that, I'm gonna go back and I'm gonna reread chapter five, starting from verse one. The groom. I've come into my garden, my sister, my bride. I've gathered my myrrh along with my balsam. I've eaten my honeycomb with my honey. I've drunk my wine with my milk. Eat, friends, drink, and drink deeply, lovers. The bride. I was asleep, but my heart was awake. A voice, my beloved, was knocking. Open to me, my sister, my darling, my dove, my perfect one, for my head is drenched with dew, my locks with the dew drops of the night." I have taken off my dress. How can I put it on again? I have washed my feet. How can I dirty them again? My beloved extended his hand through the opening and my feelings were stirred for him. I arose to open to my beloved and my hands dripped with myrrh and my fingers with drops of myrrh on the handles of the bolt. I opened to my beloved, but my beloved had turned away and had gone. My heart went out to him as he spoke. I searched for him, but I did not find him. I called him, but he did not answer me. The watchmen who make the rounds in the city found me. They struck me and wounded me. The guards of the walls took my shawl away from me. Swear to me, you daughters of Jerusalem, if you find my beloved as to what you will tell him, for I am lovesick." And then the chorus response, what kind of beloved is your beloved? Almost beautiful among women. What kind of beloved is your beloved that you make us swear in this way? The bride. My beloved is dazzling and reddish, outstanding among 10,000. His head is like gold, pure gold. His locks are like clusters of dates and black as raven. His eyes are like doves beside streams of water, bathed in milk and perched in their setting. His cheeks are like the bed of balsam, banks of herbal spices. His lips are lilies, dripping with drops of myrrh. His hands are rods of gold, set with topaz. His abdomen is panels of ivory, covered with sapphires. His thighs are pillars of alabaster, set on pedestals of pure gold his appearance is like lebanon choice as the cedars his mouth is full of sweetness and he is wholly desirable this is my beloved and this is my friend you daughters of jerusalem and then chapter six the beginning part where is your beloved gone O most beautiful among women where has your beloved turned that we may seek him with you The bride responds, my beloved has gone down to his garden, to the beds of balsam, to pasture his flock in the gardens and gather lilies. I am my beloved's and my beloved is mine. He who pastures his flock among the lilies. And so we see at the end of this, which I didn't mention, but she has this nightmare and really he was picking lilies for her, most likely. And so we get so worked up in our insecurities sometimes that we overlook just the normal stages of life when we're so in love. But I think that's such a beautiful picture of the depth of the love of this young couple. Let's pray. God, I thank you for your word and the way that you reveal yourself and your plan for us through your word, your character, your nature. God, I pray for those of us that are married. Lord, I pray that if there is some conviction here, that you would provide a way or a path forward for us to not just recognize it, but to reconcile it. God, may our marriages be a testimony to those around us, not necessarily just based off of the physical attraction or the physical and sexual relationship, but because of the respect and the admiration and the adoration we have for each other. God, it's through that foundation that the passion and the desire grow. So God, if we are missing passion and desire in our relationship, would you help us back it up and look? for the ways that maybe we have not honored our spouse with respect and admiration. Would you even now in our hearts drop a word of how we can admire our spouse today? And Lord, convict us when we are speaking about our spouse in a way that is not honoring to them or honoring to you. God, Shut our mouths when our mouths need to be shut. And not to say that we would ignore our problems, but help us to take them inside towards each other so that they can truly be resolved instead of a sentiment of gossip or destruction that the enemy would want for our marriages. Help us to guard it against those little foxes, which can even include our own words. Lord, I thank you for your word and the way that you continue to reveal your plan and your heart for marriage through this book. I thank you and praise you in all things. Amen. Hey, friend. Every day when I finish the podcast, I feel so confident that this is one of the things that God created me for. And my journey is not unlike yours. I had a season in my life where I was doubting God's voice. I felt insecure about the things that I thought he might be telling me to do. If you were in that place, I want you to know that I offer spiritual direction and life coaching to help you get unstuck. Maybe you're struggling with something and need an objective biblical opinion. Maybe you need some help working through something that feels a little heavy. Maybe you feel called to Write or start your own podcast, or maybe you just want to learn how to hear God's voice more clearly. For me, when God started to reveal His plan for my life, I found my purpose, and part of that purpose is to help you learn how to grow in your relationship with Him. My heart is to help guide you in this area so you can step confidently into the calling God has for you. If you would like to start spiritual direction or life coaching, I'm opening up space for a couple more clients. You can head to shehears.org forward slash coaching to learn more. More. That's shehears.org forward slash coaching. Hey friends, if this podcast helps encourage, empower, or equip you in your walk with God, I would love it if you would head over to Apple Podcasts and leave me a review. That's the number one way you can support my show. You can also join our free Facebook community or Instagram page where I share inspirational tips, bonus content, resources, and prayer throughout the week. Hey, I want you to know I'm praying for you. Know that you are so loved. Keep going.